Scott with SJ, Wildfire.com. Hey, I'm pleased to announce Pastor Larry. We've talked a little bit about Pastor Larry and his Bible study. He's been studying Ephesians 6 for the last three to four years. He's been diving deep into spiritual warfare. And what was interesting is during his study over the last three, four years, he actually had a demonic encounter that he had to rebuke in the name of Jesus Christ. And this is a man's man. Pastor Larry fought two years in Vietnam uh, with the Marines, saw a bunch of action. Then he became a pastor from there later in life. He ended up becoming a school teacher, very hardworking man, owned his own paint company, uh, multiple blue collar, white collar jobs. The man has life experiences. He's a cool dude, man's man, fun to be around, and he loves the Lord. Good day, friends. This is Pastor Larry. I have to admit... I have spent a long time talking about the Bible, talking about the Word of God, and I felt that that was necessary, and I'm going to finish up on that today, but I'll always be referring to the Word of God and Scripture passages and how powerful it is. Because as I stressed before, without the Word of God in our lives, we are powerless to fight the battle that is waged against us. I don't know how else to put that. We need the Word of God. Remember what it said in Ephesians 6, 17, where, it's, where Paul says, and it seems like I'm starting backwards here on the armor, but it's for a reason, because I see as the Bible as foundational. In fact, I believe that Jesus taught that it is foundational. Without the Bible and nobody gets saved, how would we know? How would we know how to be saved? How would we know things of God and how he loves us and how he cares for us? Because God wanted it written down. I mean, that's only understandable. If things were done by word of mouth, think how distorted it would be. If words pass along from one person to the next, I experienced that when I was in Vietnam, walking in a column. And there's probably 120 guys, which was our company, walking in a column up this jungle mountain pass. And word came from the back. This is in, I think, I believe it was in late of 68, around Christmas time. that the word came back up to me, I was up towards the front, and I passed the word on that, uh, that Eisen, Eisendorf or something was, or was wanted to see the company commander. And actually, the message was Eisenhower just died. Little different take <laughs> on what that truth is. So that's why I believe that God had things written down, so we would not we would not misconstrue it somehow. John has often said in his gospel and his letters, these things are written that you may know. And that word know in the Greek is full knowledge. That you may know that you have eternal life. Wow. These things are written so I can know that I have eternal life. My salvation is not based on because I know it. My salvation is based on because the scriptures teach it. God has promised it to me. 
So we're going to wrap up uh, basically on our arguments for the Word of God. But this is a passage in verse 17 of Ephesians 6. It says, take the helmet, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we talked about the Bible being pictured as a sword. And we need to learn how to wield that sword in our battle. It's the only offensive weapon is really here in this armor. So we know, have to know how to use it. Just as I had to know, learn the different weapons in, uh, for the military, for the Marine Corps, and know how to use them. We went through more than just rifle training. We went through machine gun training, anything that an infantryman would use. So we had to be familiar with that. And I stress, you have to be familiar with the Word of God to help yourself to be defended. You need a defense, and only because it's an offense too, you can come back at Satan like Jesus did with the Word of God. So let me wrap this up by reading some verses in Psalm 119. You can turn there or you can write these passages down and, and you tell me how important is God's word to the believer's life. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, I believe. And there's words that are found there, synonymous terms used for God's word, such as law, precepts, commandments, decrees, statutes, his ways. So they're synonymous with the Word of God. For example, I'm not going to read all 176 verses. And verse 1 says, Blessed are the upright who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed actually means joy and happiness. Since God knows all, he knows the best way for us to walk. I think back, I just had a thought back in Vietnam. We had scouts and guides that were ex-Viet Cong or ex-North Vietnamese soldiers, and they would be our guides, and they would have, have us walk in the right places because if we did not, we would step into an IED, we call them booby traps back then, and I saw many Marines die because they didn't watch their step. They weren't walking in the way that they should. So you want to be a casualty in this war, this struggle, this battle with Satan? Depart from the Word of God. I don't really want you to. I'm putting that in the negative. But I'm going to put it in the positive. You walk in the word or the law of the Lord. Remember when David wrote this, he only had the, had the part of the Old Testament. He only had the first five books. Or possibly others, uh, Ruth, Esther, and so on. But um, he only had part of the Old Testament. So you want to walk correctly? You don't want to walk on a straight path. 
You want to be happy. You want to be joyful. You want to be protected. You want to be blessed. Walk in the law of the Lord. In verses 2 and 3. Blessed, there's that word again. Happy, joyful. Are they that keep his testimonies? Misobedience, folks. And that seek him with their whole heart. And you'll find that whole heart about nine or ten times in this psalm. God expects our whole heart, not a divided heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in, there's that term again, they walk in his ways. You know, you know, I think about the ways before I was a believer in Christ. I enjoyed them because, you know, some sins, some sin is attractive, else we wouldn't sin, would we? So I wanted to do certain things. I wanted to do some sins, even though they led to death or led to trouble afterwards, just for that satisfaction temporarily, I suppose. But, you know, when I've been a Christian, when I'm a Christian, God took the want to away. He took the want to do it away because I don't want to sin against my Savior and all that he's done for me. Sin opens a door for Satan to enter in. It opens a door for him to deceive me and to tempt me. And it seems like one sin leads to another, doesn't it? So, if we keep the Lord's testimonies and we seek him with our whole heart and we walk in his word or in, the, in his law, it'll protect us against sin. You know, verse 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. There's that word heart again. That I might not sin against thee. David didn't want to. David did some bad things, granted. But he learned his lesson after that sin with Bathsheba. And I might not sin against you. All sin, my, my friends, all sin is against God. Whether you sin against your brother, you sin against any, anyone. But all sin is against God's holiness. Verse 42 is another example. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproaches me, for I trust in thy word. You want to know how to answer somebody? Trust in the word of God. Discipline yourself to be into the word of God. To give somebody an answer. In fact, the New Testament even teaches that. Know the word of God. Commit it to your memory. I know, I know, I know it's a difficult thing to do. Other things demand our time. I was thinking, do I want to do this broadcast today? I was so busy, I had to tear cupboards out of my kitchen. But then the Lord kind of convicted me. He said, no, 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 you come back here. Come back here and do the broadcast. Learn. And it takes a great deal of preparation and discipline to do this. I didn't know how hard it would be. So the Word of God influences every part of our lives. 
So that's just a few samples of what God's holy word can do in you and through you. Almost every 176 verses talks about, with those synonyms, as I mentioned before, talks about God's word. So you tell me, is the word of God important? Sure it is. So in summary, I'm summarizing Psalm 119. So if you want to live a life of protection, a life of integrity, a life of purity, a life of handling difficult problems, having an enlarged heart, I say that spiritually, by the way, a life of humility, a life of liberty, which I mean freedom, a life of direction, you want a life of righteousness, of doing the right thing, a life of elevation in your spirit, a life of peace, a life of serenity, a life of love for God and others, and the scriptures are that road, my friend. My challenge to you is to read Psalm 119 prayerfully and carefully, that you would ask God to speak to your heart. Get your pencil ready. Write things down. If we neglect his word, it is to our own peril. It's the roadmap we need, folks. It's the only offensive weapon we have in God's spiritual armor, and let's use it. Let's know it. So we can properly wield it in battle, as set by example by the Lord Jesus Christ in his uh, temptations and battle with Satan in the wilderness. So in this day of false interpretation and information and lies, we need to know the truth of God's word. You don't have to know so much the error, but you need to know more of the truth. Remember, Satan's a liar and the father of lies. And Jesus said again, he is the truth and he is the life. And no one will come to the Father but through him. So, let's get to our passage on spiritual armor. Let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. And look at a passage here, that, how it begins. Ephesians 6.10. I'll give you a few seconds to turn there. Ephesians 6.10. Paul's going to bring up a good point here. And if we ever stop and thought what he's saying here, it's deeper than what we think it is. So Ephesians 6.10, Paul says, finally, that's an important word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. We want to kind of unpack or we want to dissect that little sentence. What does Paul mean by finally? Remember, we've had over five and a half uh, chapters that Paul wrote. So he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. What does Paul mean by finally? Does it mean that Paul has said all that he wants to say and his letter is about to end? It's kind of like a postscript. No, I think it's more than that. It's not just a postscript or an afterthought. Listen to what the great Puritan preacher, and I love Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's gone to be the Lord, but he wrote some great things on spiritual warfare. 
look, listen to what he says about the word finally in Ephesians 6.10. He says, quote, there's a very direct connection between what Paul begins to say here and what he has just been saying. Indeed, I go further. There is a direct and immediate connection between this and the whole letter up to this point. He carries the case that he has been making right through the end, and when he comes to this statement, it's a further outworking of the great theme of Ephesians. So, the good doctor wrote that, and that's wonderful. So what's this great theme that in Ephesians that the good doctor is talking about? So Paul is letting the Ephesians know who they are and what they are in Jesus Christ and how God had planned it all. you understand that? God has planned it all. That's the theme of the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians because this is important to know in our spiritual battle. And as we get into it, it'll be more self-explanatory. God has enabled us, I'm talking to believers, to walk with him in abundance and is open to you who are unbelievers through his sinful and wicked world. Oh, no, I'm sorry, did I say his? That shouldn't have been his. Through this sinful and wicked world. And we can be victorious over the wicked spiritual realm. But they're prerequisites to putting on that armor of God. Listen to what Paul prayed for in Ephesians, believers, in chapter 1. This is important. You're in Ephesians 6, just turn back to Ephesians 1. Pretty simple. And starting in verse 15. This is Paul's prayer for the Ephesian Christians, and this is your prayer. This is my. This is what Paul's praying for me also, because I am in Christ too, and so are you, if you're a believer in Christ. So in verse 15, Paul says, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. It's a God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Do you realize, friends, that you can know the God of glory? God is a personal God. He didn't just create things and let them be. He wants to be personally involved in our life, but we have to let him in. And Christians, you can be a believer and not let him in. That's important to understand. And he did this through Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ, my friends, you cannot know God. Look what else Paul wants us to know. He continues in this prayer, starting in verse 18. 
he says this, that the eyes of your understanding, and the King James says understanding, but the New International Version, it's actually the word cardia, and you can see the word that's found there, cardiac. It's NIV translates it heart. That the eyes of your heart being enlightened, that's where your emotions will, and where you make your decisions is your heart, that you may know, there's that word, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. You can know the hope of his calling, what he has for you. That's a personal prayer. It's a personal thing that Paul is talking about. And what the riches of his glory, of the inheritance of the saints. Wow, listen to this. Not only can you know the Father of glory, but you can know what you are called to, and you can receive an inheritance. Do you know what Jesus owns, you own also? So don't be envious of the big houses and the big salaries and the nice cars. You own it all anyways, because Jesus Christ owns everything. Good day, friends. Talk to you next week. God bless.